0: You to go with me quickly to the Word of God, the Luke chapter four. I have several things to do this morning as we move forward in this day of honor for your spiritual parents, and uh, some things that we want to do at the conclusion of this service. So I'm asking if you would please give me your undivided attention for the next four hours. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> My wife says all the time. She says, "Husband, you, husband, you carry a brief case, but your case isn't very brief." And That probably is true, but I will try to respect the time. Uh, But if we would go to Luke, the gospel according to Luke chapter six or chapter four and verse 21, Jesus has come out of the wilderness. He's in the synagogue, and this is his first message, and I believe that the Principle of first mention comes into play here That when something is mentioned first it really sets precedence for what God is willing to do So this is the beginning of Jesus's ministry And it says and he began to say unto them this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and they said is not this Joseph's son They were familiar with him And he said to them, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician heal thyself, whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in this country. And he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, no prophet is honored in his own country. But I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heavens were shut, for three years and six months when great famine recession was in the land. But none in the days of Elijah except this woman of Zarephath, listen to me, none of them, none of them but this woman received this blessing. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the great prophet and none were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. There was many widows but only one. Everybody say "Only only one. Only one receive the blessing there was many lepers in the days of naaman but only one say only one god healed let's bow our heads father i thank you and praise you as we have come to honor this man and woman of god this day that you have set not only in this house but over this region and their apostolic anointing is growing and increasing but it's extending in and through the people that you've given to them lord god i thank you that You had said in the word that those the father had given you you've never lost one And lord god those you've given this man and woman. They'll never lose them They are part of the spiritual family and apostolic company that is being raised up in this house for greatness And lord god, we are still in the embryonic stages of what you're going to do in and through this ministry We look forward lord god our eye has not seen our ear has not heard nor has it entered our heart the things you prepared for this church, but by the Spirit you're revealing them to us. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for revelation today. We open our hearts to hear what the Spirit is saying to this church this day. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And all the saints of God said amen. Thank you. Amen. I believe this is a tailor-made message for you, and uh, so I had to write some notes down to make sure that I didn't forget what the Spirit of God was speaking to me so I don't think that I could preach this just anywhere in North America but uh, it is really designed just for you now in my church I pastor a multiracial church and, and we get a little bit radical so I, I, I would feel right at home if you would get a little bit radical when I preach yeah. and just to hear some amens and some shouts amen. and kind of in our church it's like a catholic church we're up and down all the time so if you would make me feel comfortable and make me feel right at home that would be a a, a great joy to me amen the greatest seed that a man or woman can sow is a seed of honor. Understand this, honor recognizes that God has a plan. Everybody say, God has, plan. God has a plan. To bring someone in my life that I could be more in God today than I was before I met them. So honor has the ability to recognize God has brought someone in my life that I could be more in God today than I was before I met them. That's the power of honor. It's this, it is the law of recognition. And, and I think you've recognized that God has brought this man and woman in your life, that you could be more in God. How many of you would say that since you've met them, you're more in God now than you were before you met them? I'm talking to the right people. Hallelujah. That's the spirit of honor. It's not what a man acquires in life that makes him great. It's what he gives away. So understand something. Honor is a culture that is a rare commodity in North America. I've been able to travel the nations, and I find out that third world countries have they understand the culture of honor more than we do in North America? But we must recover that because we understand that the Scripture is filled with the principles of honor that we must acquire in life. Because all life flows through the principle of honor. Touch your neighbor. Say all life flows through the principle of honor. I find a tremendous lack of honor in the body of Christ. Therefore, well, I. I I I believe that we are literally missing what God is offering the church of North America in this hour. I believe God wants us to move in signs and wonders. I believe God wants us to live a life in the miraculous, but honor becomes the catalyst for the miraculous. Honor becomes the catalyst for the miraculous. Are we still communicating? Understand, definition of honor is this. It's the highest degree of respect mingled with awe for the dignity and the character of another. I don't know about you but i was raised in a spirit and culture of honor i mean i you know elderly people they were sir and ma'am yeah. mr and mrs we didn't kind of do that first name thing when i was growing up like this generation is doing today we learned the principle of honor we would open the doors for ladies hello somebody i'm trying to help the men here rack some points this morning yeah. hallelujah we knew how to open doors for people and and, and, and to always be respectful and say thank you. I was raised in that type of a culture, and I believe that God allowed me to raise in it because of the calling and anointing upon my life. When you start talking about honor, something inside of me begins to turn because we got to recover the spirit of honor in this day. Hallelujah. Everything we are in in God is a, res- is a result of three things three- God's Word. Everything you have become in God is a result of three things God's Word experiences you've been through and other individuals so three things have developed and formed the character of who you are it is god's word life experiences and people that god has sent as representatives in your life are you still with me hallelujah you need to understand this in this story right here jesus's ministry began in his own home church and here, uh, on, uh, uh, this is so powerful because the local church is something that many are getting away from. We're drifting away because, well, you know, I can, I can, I can watch church online. I, I got church on Facebook. Understand something. Uh, we, we, we have to recover. The church is not the end, but the means to an end. The end is the kingdom. But the church is still a wonderful vehicle. And I believe it's not coincidental that Jesus started his ministry in his home church. Hallelujah. Because everything starts in your home church because in your home church is where you find covering, it's where you find commitment, it's where you find correction, it's where you find covenant, and it's where you find your commissioning. It's all in the local church. And it's from this place is where you literally are sent and not went. Are you with me? So Jesus' first message he preaches is on honor. So I think that's very important. If the first message you're going to preach in your three-and-a-half-year ministry and you're God in the flesh and you talk about honor, it must be pretty special. Are we still communicating? Hallelujah. I believe Jesus' successful ministry was a result of the principle of honor. Jesus also teaches us the rewards of honor. Please get this. This is so vitally important. Jesus discerns the lack of honor during the discourse of the word because they said, isn't this the son of Joseph? The spirit of familiarity will hinder, listen to me, will hinder the catalytic anointing upon your life. Hallelujah. Do never become familiar with anybody, hallelujah, that God has brought into your world. Jesus said this. He says, a prophet is not received in his own home country. Therefore, he could not even do many miracles when he would come to Nazareth as a result of the lack of honor that was given to him. Are we still communicating? The spiritual climate was so hard when Jesus was preaching this, he discerned it, and he, with a uh, a harsh rebuke, he rebuked all those that were in the synagogue. And he tells them these two historical events about the power of honor and its supernatural results. The power of honor releases and spawns supernatural results. Number one, the woman at Zarephath, she was given, listen to me, she was given wealth. And Naaman was given health. I truly believe that when we begin to develop a culture of honor, we are creating an atmosphere, a spiritual climate in which we can walk in health and wealth. I need a witness up in here today. Hello, someone. One got health and one got wealth. Think about the woman at Zarephath. This woman at Zarephath, there was famine for three and a half years. The heavens were closed. There was a drought, a plague within the land. And the Bible says there was many widows But only one widow was he sent to. It was a woman of honor. Oh, you got to get this. Not every widow woman prospered during that famine, but one woman because she was one that she honored, hallelujah, and recognized the gift that God was sending her. And when she honored the gift, hallelujah, it released for the next, until the famine was over, she prospered she recognized he was a man of God and honored him. She honored, listen to me. Her honor, she honored him by giving him her last cake. Now, she says, this is my last cake. He says, do you have something to eat? Well, I'll go bake you a cake, but it's the last cake. And we're going to eat, this cake was for my son and I, we're going to eat this cake and die. So what she called the last cake, he comes and says, make me a cake first. What honor will do when you begin to release and develop a culture of honor, what some would call the last, God will call it your first. (laughs) Oh, we still communicating. Hallelujah. Honor will put favor on you in the midst of famine. It will set you apart. Something about a man or woman who walk in the spirit of honor, they stand out. I mean, they get heaven's attention, but people's attention around them. I love when I get around, that's why I love to come to this church. I get in the parking lot, there's Caleb opening the door for me. He's grabbing the sword. He's ushering us in. He's taking us in, getting us water. Every, every. Come on, from the time that I, I get out of my car until I get up here, everybody's honoring me. You all give yourself a hand. I think you're setting yourself up for some miracles. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. What honor will do, it'll give you an open heaven of prosperity. It breaks open barren places in your life. Did you hear that? It breaks open barren places. The spirit of honor, hallelujah. It'll give you spiritual immunity in the midst of recession. I told when recession hit in the States in 2008, I told the people in my church, and I told the people that work for me in business, I says, we're not going to participate in the recession. What we're going to do is we're going to have a culture of honor, and God's going to prosper us. We laid nobody off. We cut no one back. God prospered us. People got raises. <laughs> Our businesses grew hello somebody because we decided hallelujah is that we were recession-proof because we were a culture of honor oh my god and the Holy Ghost I hope you're getting this honor also recognizes please get this the glory that's on another person it has the ability to recognize there's glory hallelujah help us Lord to recognize and celebrate people that God bring into our life and as we do that, we become the recipients of health and wealth and the blessings of God upon our life. Think about the widow woman, or the, the woman that came into the synagogue, and she has two mics. Now, understand something. All the scribes and Pharisees are putting their money in the treasury, probably large sums, too. There were some very wealthy Pharisees, and they're putting money in. And Jesus is standing in the corner watching this, and there is a woman who comes and gives two little coins and drops them in. He interrupts the whole service now his attention is on this woman. And he says, this woman. He honors and celebrates this woman. Why? Because it's not how much you give, it's the honor you give it in. She understands something? I'm learning something, and I teach my people. I'm still learning about uh, 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 honoring the Lord in my tithes and offerings. It's not that I'm giving the 10% of my tithe and giving my offerings. It is the spirit in which I give it in. And when I give it in honor, hallelujah, it begins to grab heaven's attention. Oh, hallelujah. Are we still communicating? Honor will break the back of debt over your life and release you into a season of more than enough. Hallelujah. Yeah, the Bible says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. By the way, if you're trying to take notes right now, it's probably not a good thing. <laughs> I preach real fast. That way I can give you three messages in one. The Bible says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. And if you see, if if you give a cup of water to one of these little ones, no wise will you lose your blessing. And I'm thinking, okay, there's three dimensions. you got prophets, those over us. you got the righteous ones. Those are our peers around us. And then the little ones, those that God puts in our care. And so he's telling us that all spheres are honored. So not just those that are over us. Yes, they receive, the Bible says, Paul says, double honor. Why double? Because everyone else gets honor too. Oh, I hope you got that. The reason why they get double honor is because they are your spiritual parents. They are your spiritual covering. Hallelujah. But everyone in this building needs to be honored. Those around you and those under your care. And he says that if you will do that, you will not lose. There is a reward that comes with honor. It brings great reward when we honor those around us. We've kind of got away. I don't know what you do here. It's okay. I'm just talking. I'm talking to myself right now. We've gotten away in our generation with titles. I kind of still use them a little bit. Because Jesus said, he says, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet. Hallelujah. See, 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 when I walk in the house here, you know, he's, he's not in to me. To me, he's apostle right now. Because right now, I recognize that I'm underneath. Listen to me. He has become my pastor while I'm in this house. He is my pastor. And so I submit to the pastor, to the set man, and first lady of this house. In fact, I can say this to you. If they would come up after the service and say, well, Dr. Kaufman said this, and, and we disagree. They're right. I'm wrong. This is our house. I'm under authority right now. Are we still communicating? That's the spirit of honor. Hallelujah. Are we still communicating? Hallelujah. This woman at Zarephath, she took the limits off the miracle she needed. I want you to touch your neighbor and say, Get ready, we're gonna take off the limits off the miracle that we need. Every limitation and restriction in your life is broken when you begin to move in the spirit of honor. Now, the Bible talks about many lepers. It says there were many lepers in Israel. At the time of Elisha, but only one got healed. Now we know Naaman was the captain of Syria and he has leprosy like many others in Syria. And uh, this little maid that's working for him in the house, she's from Israel. She goes to him and says, listen, uh, at Naaman, uh, there's a prophet in Israel and this guy has this anointing to heal people. And if you will go to him, I believe that he can make you whole. And so Naaman goes and he takes a company of men with him. They ride to Elisha's house. But he's a little disappointed because he thought that Elisha was going to kind of wave his hand over him and everything would be well. But he says, no, I want you to go down to the Jordan and dip seven times. Seven is the number of perfection. Go dip seven times. See, honor also, hallelujah, requires perfect obedience. I must perfectly obey what God tells me to do. There's always instructions that come with the principle of honor. And so reluctantly he finally went da- went down and he dipped seven times and came out. How did he come out? Perfectly whole. Come on, baby skin. Leprosy is gone. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Honor is a catalyst for miracles. Jesus taught how the kingdom of God functions out of honor. We see Jesus in Mark chapter 6 where he goes to his own, home, his own hometown and dishonor restricts the visitation of God in your life. He came to his hometown and he could not do many miracles. It didn't say he would not. It says he could not. So dishonor will restrict heaven from blessing you and sending miracles to you. So if dishonor... It will close the heavens. What will honor do? It will open wide the heavens and pour out blessings upon you. There's not room enough to receive. Pastor, he shared a powerful scripture in the book of Malachi. Hallelujah. And understanding the whole book of Malachi is a book about honor and dishonor. And because they had dishonored the Lord by not giving their tithes and offerings out of honor, he says the heavens are closed over you. But then he made this statement, and let me take it a little bit deeper. He says, but if you give your tithes and offerings, and if you do it in the spirit of honor, I spit, I'm sorry, but it's anointed. <laughs> he said, but, 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 but as, you, as you give your tithes and offerings in honor, I will open you up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive. Hear it in the spirit. He didn't say I had to open up windows over you. He said, I will open you up. Uh, i got to park it here until you hear that. I will open you up the window of heaven, and I will pour you out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive. Touch your neighbor say, I'm looking at the window of heaven. And when we move in the spirit of honor, God says, I'll open you up. I'll open you up. You are the window of heaven. I've said this, sinners are the gates of hell. Believers are the windows of heaven. Hallelujah. And you have the ability to become the window of heaven to become the conduit of heaven and through the principle of honor god will open you up and pour you out all that he's put in you a blessing that there's not room enough to receive someone shout yes up in here hallelujah so familiarity breeds dishonor i i've had the wonderful privilege of traveling to so many nations I was developing a network in India many years ago, and I remember getting off the plane. It flew from, from Pittsburgh to New York, New York to France, France to Bombay, Bombay to Kochi, four-hour drive up into Kerala. Took two days to get there. And I remember when we had arrived and we were tired, it was the middle of the night. I just went to sleep. And I looked, and when I got to the door, there about 50 pastors. I said, network of 365. I mean, they brought <laughs> a large group of pastors, and they had flowers and gifts and that they were going to bestow upon us. And immediately I said, no, because some of the pastors, kind of it's their culture. They kind of go like this, and they're kind of bowing down. And I said, no, 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 no. And the Lord rebuked me. He said, don't hinder the flow of miracles that I want to bring them. Wow. He said, they're honoring the Christ in you. It's not you, Mark. It's the Christ in you. And we had the greatest explosion of miracles. We, we raised a little boy from the dead, one year old. We saw more signs and wonders and people healed, skin cancers that were instantly healed. We saw miracles that were explosive, all as a result because they came and they recognized that God had a plan to bring someone in their life at that moment and they could celebrate the gift of God in you. That's why the Bible says, no no man after the flesh, but by the Spirit. Hallelujah we got to look beyond the flesh and recognize the gift that everyone is in our world to us And if we can celebrate it and honor that gift God will give you a parade of miracles My God and the Holy Ghost But so dishonor hinders the miracles that God has for you. I'm moving very quick When when one of God's life sources are dishonored it closes the heavens Touch your neighbor say all life comes from God When we dishonor a life source It violates God's order, and God withdraws his blessing. Mm. Wow. Think about the first commandment with promise, that we're to honor our father and mother, natural and spiritual. And in doing so, two things he promised us, that we will live long in the land. Long life in the land. Prosperity. Wow. If we could learn to honor the Christ and those that God has put into our life and honor our spiritual parents like you do, I believe that God can give you this region. <laughs> I, believe, I believe that God literally, out just from, the, just from the principle of honor and developing an honor culture in this house, that this whole region going into Buffalo, I believe that God's going to give it to you. I believe prophetically God has already given you the city. I don't care what you see with the naked eye. It has nothing to do with what you see with your naked eye. It's what I see and what you should be able to see with your spiritual eye. Prophetically, Fort Erie is yours. Hallelujah. So there's two rewards, long life and and there is land. Hallelujah. I want you to go quickly with me. To First Chronicles chapter four. We doing good, apostle. We okay? Wonderful. All right. First Chronicles chapter four, verse nine. We know the story of Jabez and messages on Jabez's prayer. I don't want to talk so much about his prayer, but his honor. Um, His name means born in sorrow. But he showed such honor to his mother in spite of the sorrow and suffering that he had gone through. If anyone had a right to be bitter, it was probably Jabez, because he was born in affliction. I mean, it wasn't like okay he's 15 and he goes through some challenging times he's born in great affliction he's born in sorrow so if anyone should be bitter angry with god it should be jabez but instead of getting bitter he's a man of great honor now this is unique when i when i was studying and preparing for ministry 28 years ago i didn't like the first nine chapters of chronicles I actually name them the Begatitudes. <laughs> because it's he lived he, died, he lived, he died, he lived, he died, he lived, he died. He lived, he died, he lived, he died, he lived, he died. And I can't pronounce most of the words anyhow, so I'm not gonna even read them to you. And so while I'm reading this whole thing and I went back and read it again, something happened right in the middle of these Begatitudes. In the middle, there is this story, two verses about this man named Jabez. And like a palm tree coming out of the midst of a desert, here is Jabez. Like a light in a dark room, here is Jabez. And this is what it says about this man. After we see where where he lived, he died, he lived, he died. And Jabez was more honorable than his brother. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him in great sorrow. And Jabez called on God, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed, Enlarge my borders, and that your hand would be upon me, and that you would keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him his request. Then it goes back to he lived he, died, he, lived, he, died, he lived, he 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 died. But right in the middle of this, all these nine chapters of he lived, he died, he lived, he died, in the midst of it springs forth Jabez, and it begins. This man was more honorable than all his brothers. I want to run this morning. Is anybody getting this? Hallelujah. Understand something. In the midst of all this, this man by the name of Jabez, hallelujah, rises up. Honor makes you look good before the Lord. He stood out among all of those he lived, he died. One person stands out, and God chronicled him. It was Jabez. And he lets you know the reason why he got his prayers answered is because he was more honorable than all his brethren. Hallelujah. I have a feeling that honor gets God's attention. I kind of think because the honor that's growing in this house has heaven's attention. If God is looking anywhere this morning, I think he's looking at Victory Church in Fort Erie, and I think he's well-pleased with what God is doing here because there's a spirit of honor here that is attracting the heavens into this region. Are we still communicating? So Jabez rises out of of obscurity. We know nothing of his history. We know nothing of his family. All we know is he is a man of honor. His prayer was answered because of his honor, and God granted him his request. Therefore, therefore, if you are going to be an intercessor, make sure that honor becomes the catalyst for answered prayer. Write that down. Honor is the catalyst for answered prayers. If we are going to see God answer our prayers, it must be backed by a spirit of honor. Hallelujah. His prayer was answered because of his honor. You know, he knew there was more in God too because he asked God, would you enlarge my borders, increase my life? I don't think that's a bad prayer. I think we kind of have this false humility. We can't ask for those things. But if we are men and women of honor, it gives us a right, we have an audience with God because of honor to come before him and say, God, increase me, increase my family, increase my ministry, increase my finances, increase my health. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Honor will deliver you from the evil of mediocrity. I'll never forget reading those nine chapters and how bored I was, and it was boring. And everybody's life seems just mediocre. They just lived and died. Nothing took place. Until we see the life, I don't know about you, but I don't want life usual, I want life unusual. In the midst of the common rises an uncommon man as a result of honor, and God honors him by chronicling him in the Bible. Somebody say yes. yes. Hallelujah. So honor carries you into more in God. Honor carries you into greatness. Honor draws the hand of God. It says God put his hand on him. Literally, hallelujah, God says when he sees honor, I will stretch my hand, set you apart. Listen to me. He, he says, keep me, hallelujah, from evil. Keep me that I may not be hurt, one translation says. Hallelujah. It literally has protective power. It has the ability, hallelujah, honor is a spiritual weapon, if you will, hallelujah, to keep the enemy off of you. Are we still communicating? The reward of honor is the kingdom generational anointing. I'm going to start preparing to close. I didn't say I'm closing. I'm preparing to close. Are we still doing okay, apostle? Now I'm going to shift gears. And I want to talk about a man of honor by the name of Obadidim. Anybody remember Obadidim? Yeah. Only a couple scriptures about him. It was during the time of King, uh, King David's reign. And if I was to title this part of the message, I would entitle it Transitional Glory. This is going to be the prophetic part of the message. I have a word for this house. Are you ready? And this is the prophetic word that God gave me. I've come all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to bring the word of the Lord to you that you are a part of this transitional glory if i was to give it a subtitle i would call it a place called in between subtitle two would be called living in the gap we see this incredible story because right now i believe that you're in a season and we are in a season right now in the kingdom of god when we are really in between or in the middle we are bridging two ages. We are bridging the church age and the kingdom age. And we happen to have one foot in the church age, one foot in the kingdom age, and we're living in between. Touch your neighbor say, we're living in between. That's not, a bad place, that's not a bad place to be. Understand the Bible says we go from glory to glory and faith to faith and strength to strength. There's one word in between glory and glory. It's called two. And that's kind of where we're living. And sometimes two is a long two. It's kind of glory to glory. And faith to faith. There's kind of that process that goes on in between that we don't actually like because it's easy to define our past and easy to define our future, but sometimes it's hard to articulate where we are right now. I know I'm talking to somebody. Y'all smiling, so I got somebody's number out here. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? It's difficult to identify the present place you're in, but like Ezekiel said, God seeks for a man who will stand in the... In the middle in between i believe god has raised up this church to stand in the gap of two ages and bridge those ages the key is you're already living in the kingdom age hallelujah and you're going to have to bring people because this church is a forerunner church hallelujah and it will be a catalyst for many other churches who will come here and see and experience what God is doing and go back and say i need this in my church Hallelujah. Do you know that you have to find people in your future? Anytime that God's going to shift you, there'll be someone who comes from your future into your present to anoint you with anointing to shift you into the new thing God's doing. Hallelujah. And it's called an anointing to finish. The Bible says concerning Elijah, Elijah found Elisha, and he comes and slaps him with his mantle. It was an anointing to finish. Elijah was a finisher. Hallelujah. And so now the anointing to finish comes on Elisha. And before Elisha runs after Elijah, he has to conclude the past season. So he takes takes all his utensils. He takes his plow. He breaks it up. He takes the oxen. He has a barbecue, and he concludes his past hallelujah i believe that right now this is a even a critical day coming into october which is the second correct october 2nd we're uh, in this new prophetic year for this house right here i believe there's an anointing today for you to conclude some things in your past hallelujah and an anointing to make you run to your future unless you conclude your past you can't run into your future and listen to me, can I just say this to you, anybody who's even thinking about getting married, do not marry someone that doesn't make you run. <laughs> Elijah made Elisha run. I don't hang around folk that don't make me run. Hallelujah. I don't look for sitters, but seekers i'm looking for someone in my future to come into my present. it took a samuel to come out of david's future a prophet and anoint him with an anointing but see samuel had to conclude his past how long are you going to mourn for saul you got to quit mourning for things in your past i'm helping someone right now this may not be for everyone but for someone this was not in my notes but there's some things in your past you may have to conclude if you're going to get into your future see you have a purpose and a destiny can i make it real kind of simple your your purpose is to be like jesus your destiny is to manifest him now whatever sphere that is i made it real simple whether you're called to marketplace ministry ecclesiastical whatever it may be but your purpose is to be like jesus your destiny is to manifest him and you cannot do that until you conclude your past And I believe that God has sent you a man and woman from your future. Hallelujah. They've come into your presence. They're anointing you with something that will be a catalyst to thrust you into a new season that God has for you in this year coming up. Are you still with me? So we know what takes place here is this incredible story of this man who stands in the gap. The word gap means to break forth, to press, to grow, to open. To bust out to break forth to break out to increase and depress that's a whole lot of words god has raised this church to be part of a company an apostolic prophetic company that's going to stand in the gap for others that's a high call upon this church it is a prophetic calling that's upon this church and god raised you up to be part of this remnant and it's a place called in between In between is the transition of change. In between is the transition of change. Transitional glory is upon you. Touch your neighbor and tell them that. Transitional glory. Understand something. For 20 years during Saul's regime, there is no recorded praise. The ark had not been, he never sought the ark. He did not pursue it. You understand where the presence is, praise will be. That's why I love this house. Because you can always identify true, authentic praise and worship. You will always be accompanied by the presence of God. The ark is always in the house. That's why I love about this church. You're a praising church. It's not entertaining whatsoever. It's not performance. There's no spirit of performance. Believe me, I could smell it, and I would tell you. <laughs> <coughs> There's nothing entertaining. <coughs> Excuse me. This is genuine... Praise and worship and they're leading you week after week after week into the presence of God There was no recorded praise no recorded worship during the days of Saul Now David is made king and the first thing he does we're getting the ark back Now understand something about the ark the ark doesn't just represent the presence of God. No, not at all It represents the lordship and the government of God Amen. I'm good. Thank you. It represents the lordship. See that's honor <laughs> the lordship And the government of God, too. Because the government's upon his shoulders. Where was the ark? On his shoulders. You must get this. Because this is something we have to couple in the the coming days. We must couple the presence of God and the government of God. You can't have one without the other. Are you still communicating? Hallelujah. So we find out now that everything is business as usual to this point. I mean, on top of Mount Gibeon, what is taking place there in the tabernacle Moses is all the rituals, and they're going through all the offerings. The priests are offering sacrifices. They're taking out the ashes. They're lighting the candlesticks. Every day, they're going to the table of God's presence, the table of showbread, and they're renewing the bread. They're uh, uh, lighting the incense. They're going through all the rituals, but one thing is missing. It is the presence of God and the government of God. And Saul had never sought that. But now, here we see this wonderful story about David. And David, he rises up, hallelujah, and, 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 and everything looked good except one thing, the presence of God was not there. Hallelujah. They were accustomed, they become so accustomed to the ark gone, hallelujah, and the praise that accompanied it that no one looked for it but David. But now there's David. Don't you love David? There's something about David because he is a man who's after God's heart. Please get this. Let me try to communicate what that means to me and what the Father spoke to me, a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was a man that had the ability to interpret God's heart without God even talking to him. I'm going to say it again. Hallelujah. The ability, listen to me, please get this. A man after God's own heart. God wants a people who have the ability to interpret the heart of God, and God doesn't even have to speak. See, I have three sons, 33, 32, and 14. (laughs) Y'all figure that one out. (laughs) I told my wife one more and my 14 year old, I remember when he was one, two and three, I was always had to tell him, don't touch this. Stay away from the oven. Don't put your finger in the plug. No, don't do this. Don't grab that. You can't have this. And all day long we're saying, don't do. And and we're always speaking because he just isn't mature enough. I don't have to say those things to him because he's matured. So I talked less to my son in that manner than I did before. My communication is quite different. Some things, he just knows the heart of his father and does it. Are you with me? See, we have some people, they think they're more spiritual because God's been talking to me all day, probably because you're a knucklehead and you can't, (laughs) you just don't get it. You don't get it. I kind of think the less God has to talk to you, the better it really is. It's the evidence that you're maturing in God and you can interpret his heart without him even talking to you. I think that's pretty good are we still communicating yes. hallelujah so understand something hallelujah we see that David he goes and he fetches the ark now it's in Judah at Abinadab's house and Abinadab his name means father the problem was he did not teach Uzzah and Ohio how to carry the presence of God I love this man and woman and so honor them because they're teaching you how to carry the presence of God outside of this church Hallelujah! because you find that the ark was in Judah in Abinadab's house Hallelujah. And the presence of God is here, and they're teaching you as sons and daughters how to carry the presence of God out to a world that you can manifest it and display it for all to see. Now, so we we see he leaves and they come and they're bringing it, you know the story, it's on an ox cart. So there's an ox in a cart that is wheeling this down the road. Now, how many know that's not the due order? It had to be upon the shoulders of the priesthood. And so when they get to Nacon's threshing floor, they hit a speed bump in the road and the ark begins to shake and Uzzah reaches out and he touches it. He's smitten and he dies. Let me just say something to you right now. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, the, The days of ox carts are over. Because they represent religion. Hallelujah. The carts are made up of boards and big wheels. Somebody's gonna get that after lunch. Hallelujah. And they're driven by a beastly system. Let me say something to you. Mark this down. In the next five years, religion is going to be shaken like you've never seen it shaken before. And you want to make sure you stay away from it because whoever touches it will die. Not naturally, but spiritually. There will be a spiritual death that will cause them to say, wait, we must seek the new order. What is God really doing? So we find out in the midst of transition going from Judah to Zion, the Bible says David stopped. The fear of the Lord came upon him. And in the midst of transitional glory, a place called in between, he goes and parks the ark at a man's house by the name of Obed-Edom. I love this man, Obed-Edom. We don't know a whole lot about him. We don't know what Mrs. Obed-Edom's first name is. We don't know how many children he has. All we know is that he is a Gittite and he lives in Gath. And we know what his name means. It means worshiping servant. (sighs) I want you to get this. Before God's manifest presence, we know the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. God is going to display his manifest presence around the world. But before he displays the manifest presence around the world, he has to turn aside and bless the people who are his worshiping servants in the day of transitional glory. May I say that again? Before the whole world views the manifest presence of God, he's got to come here to Victory Center in the midst of transitional glory in a place called In Between to a people who are standing in the gap and he says, I got to bless them before I bless the world. Oh my God, I'm going to shout in a couple minutes here in jesus name hallelujah oba stood in the gap hallelujah and god listen to me god dwells in a place called in between where did he dwell between the cherubim god lives in a place called in between and when he finds the people that will stand in the calm down mark when he finds the people (laughs) who will stand in the gap with him hallelujah he will show up and show up on your behalf now i want you to understand some of this he is a worshiping servant that's what i love about this house. You are servants, and you are worshipers, and God is not after worship. You know this. There are people worshiping all over Canada right now, and God doesn't receive it all. He doesn't seek worship. He seeks worshipers. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It says the Father seeks such to worship him. Worshipers. He's seeking worshipers. He will bypass all of Jesse's big, come on, All those that look just like Saul to get to the eighth son, his name is David, who's been in the wilderness worshiping, and God will only anoint in this hour. See, everything we've done in this hour, hallelujah, has been God passing one order after another to get to you. Because here's what the Bible said. It did not Samuel when he passed by the eight sons on ordination and coronation day that he was coming to anoint a king priest ministry. He bypassed the seven elder sons and everyone he says, this is not it. He should have said, this is not him. He said, this is not it. Why? Because everyone represented a passing order. But when he got to the eighth man, the number of a new day, when he got to the eighth man, he says, is there not another? They said, there's one, hallelujah, that's out worshiping out in the fields. And you better watch because he's one bad dude. Because be careful, hallelujah, worshipers are dangerous. Don't mess with worshipers. Y'all didn't hear me. Don't mess with worshipers. When God can find a church that is a worshiping church and they have a lifestyle of worship. You know, we worship more. This was one expression of our worship. We worship how we give. We worship how we love. We worship how we treat our spouses. Should I park it there or are you going to get an amen from all the men? We worship how we treat our wives, how we raise our children. The way we raise our church in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that's worship. We worship how we do business. We worship in our work. And this is an expression of that. When God finds worshipers, like Victory Church here in Fort Erie, hallelujah, he will come and he will bypass every order to get to you and put an anointing on you, hallelujah, that'll thrust you into a king-priest ministry. Are you still with me? Almost done. Hallelujah. God anoints worshipers. In fact, find out something that, that, that when you have a lifestyle of worship, it will strengthen you. The Bible says the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker, but the house of David grew stronger and stronger. A worship will always increase in all aspects of his life. Worshippers are givers because worship demands a gift. Worship demands a gift. Hallelujah. In fact, worship has to be part of your spiritual resume. If it's not part of your spiritual resume, you're not ready for ministry. Because understand something, you were created to worship. Let me talk about me. I was created to worship but called to preach. But my creative purpose has precedence over my calling to preach. Because if I don't worship, I have nothing to say in my preaching. Because my worship connects me with God and allows me to come to you and bring a fresh now word to you. And that works in every aspect of your life. Hallelujah. Because we were created. He created all things for his pleasure and for his glory. We were created to give him glory. In fact, you will find out that we are glory producers. His glory, listen to me, I know we think glory comes out here. It comes out here. Hallelujah. And the Bible says he'll glorify the house of his glory. When God sees a house of glory, he can't help but where glory is, glory comes. Where greatness is, greatness comes. I believe great things are coming to this church because this church is great. There is so much glory in this house. It is a combustion of glory that's ready to explode beyond the four walls of this church. And glory shows up where glory is. That's just how it works in God's economy. Are we communicating? Don't mess with the worshiper. Touch your neighbor and say, don't mess with the worshiper. Hallelujah. You don't mess with a worshiper. I would not want to be Goliath and face David. He's a worshiper. You're messing with the wrong guy. Come on, we can't lose with the stuff we use when it comes to worship. Touch your neighbor and say, we can't lose with the stuff we use. It is a powerful, powerful weapon. Hallelujah. Do you understand that worship has a way of carrying people? Into the presence of God and into your sphere. It is a powerful, powerful tool. You will not remember a message from last year, but I can play a song right now from the year you graduated from school, and you'll remember who you dated, where you were when you heard that song. Because music has the ability to carry you somewhere in your future or your past and take you into a realm that you'll remember oh, yeah, I remember I, I will, I will. Yeah. You remember, right? But here we are back to remembering. Music has the ability. It is a powerful, powerful tool. And we bring people. That's why rock stars, that's why musicians know what they're doing. They will bring an audience in, and when the people leave, they will do things they never did before. They will, they will go out and do drugs. They will drink alcohol. They will do all kinds of perversions because they bring them into their sphere of where they live. Worship will carry you. That's why David, hallelujah, was called upon by Saul because Saul had a demon and he was demonized. And therefore, he would get David because David would usher him into the glory that he lived in. Amen. And it would deliver him in that moment. That's why when folk come up, uh, up in here that aren't living right, they look really good in your anointing. Y'all didn't hear that. <laughs> I've had folk come to my church, and they act like prophets. How many know Saul did when he got into the presence of a worshiping company at Ramah? The Bible says that Saul was numbered. Is he numbered among the prophets? He began to prophesy. He had murder in his heart against David, but when he got into the aura of worship, he was transformed by the anointing that was on Saul, hallelujah, got, or on David, got on Saul. And Saul looked like he was numbered among the prophets. But when David left and the worship left, murder enters into his heart again. Right. Hallelujah. Do you know how you capture the environment is be a worshiper. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I'll be still communicating. Now, understand something too about this man. This is my third closing. I'm almost there. I, we'll, we'll be done by 12. Obadidim was also and I want to help somebody. Was a Gittite. The word Gittite means the, the wine press. Obadidam, the serving worshipper, lived in a wine press. Not about you, but I've ever felt like sometimes you're just in the press, and it's like you feel like you get through one thing, and there's another thing, and you get through this thing, and there's another thing, and you feel like there's this pressure that's on you. You know, it takes 1,000 grapes to make a bottle of wine. How many crushings does it take? How many olive berries have to be crushed to fill a horn of oil that can be poured on the head of a young shepherd boy that will anoint him with a king-priest ministry? I wonder how many crushings we have to go through to receive the anointing that we need to fulfill the call that God has placed upon us. Ah, my God and the Holy Ghost. Are we communicating? Not only that, but he came from Gath. He was a Gittite that came from Gath, and Gath is where Goliath was. He lived in giant opposition. My God and the Holy Ghost. Am I talking to someone? I want to help someone today that feels like right now they're living in a place called Gath. Hallelujah. Before the church at large and the world experienced the manifest presence of God, the Lord is saying, i got to turn aside and bless those who've lived in a place called pressure. A place of breaking and a place of crushing. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. God's about to get in your house. I mean, the Lord shows up and he goes to Obedinim's house. They parked the ark in there. I mean, it took three months for God to say goodbye. I mean, he really loved this man. It took three months to say goodbye to Obedinim and his wife. And the Bible says that God blessed his house. Not him, his house. That means everything pertaining to him was blessed. God has set a man and woman in this house, and they are a man and woman of honor. That that, that mantle of honor has stretched upon you, and watch what God begins to do in the next 12 months. The blessing that comes on them, it is going to begin to flow out and touch the whole house. Hallelujah. When God shows up, he don't just bless one. He blesses the whole house. I don't know about you, but I start thinking about it. I wonder what really happened. I mean, I can only imagine that for those three months, his garden, he had strawberries as big as basketballs. And his children probably went from getting C's to getting A's. Are we communicating? And he probably, obedient and probably got a raise and probably got promoted because God blessed his house. And I don't know, maybe even his wife got more frisky. Oh, I won't go there right now, but help me. Holy Ghost, I've been missing my wife too long. <laughs> But you never know. I'm sorry. You, you can edit that at any time. <laughs> but I can only imagine what God did to bless obed Edom and Mrs. Obed and the whole house for those three months. All we know is God blessed obed Edom's house. Someone shout yes. Someone shout bless me God. Yeah. Bless me God. Last two pages. Someone said amen. I heard that. I believe we're about to see a divine intrusion of God. Suddenly, quickly, I said, suddenly, quickly, unexpected, the blessing came. I mean, God just didn't run. A knock at the door, Obedidim, the king's here. What? I can see Mrs. Obadidim shoving stuff underneath the bed. (laughs) The king's here. And he says, I need you to move the coffee table. We're putting the ark right here. Oh, okay. Now, don't touch it, because the last guy that touched it just died. (laughs) So don't mess with the ark. Don't mess with this. The next thing you know, they start finding the blessing of the Lord upon their life. This man lived in a place of adversity called Gath. And God blessed him in the face of his enemies. He, can I speak in tongues? Shakabosi. Hallelujah. I had to do something in a moment. Because I come all the way from Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and tell you that God is about to bless you. He's about to prepare a table for you right in the midst of your enemies. God doesn't bless you behind the scenes, He blesses you out and open. In fact, you know how God judges your enemies? He doesn't put cancer on them, He blesses you. He does an in your face blessing that all that said you're not going to make it, they're going to fall, (laughs) they're not qualified. In the midst of all the adversity, God is about to bless a people that live in a place called in between. Your neighbor needs to see it. Your neighbor needs to see you blessed. Hallelujah. I want people, people said, you know, you know, why do you wear the clothes you do, the, the house you live in, the car that you drive? God has blessed me and I want people to know it. I want people to be jealous of the God I serve. I want them to say, look what God has done for him. I was the least likely person to succeed. Literally, they told me that in school. They graduated me in the 12th grade, and they told me, we're graduating you because we don't want you back. (laughs) They literally said, we don't want you back. I was the kid you did not want your daughter dating. I was the man that you would not hire. And look what God has done. And what God has done in the midst of the adversity and all that, how many times have they invited me back to the school to be the keynote speaker (laughs) on how to succeed in life? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, look what the Lord can do. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. But I come by to tell you, your neighbor needs to see you blessed. They need to buy in and say, wait a minute. I knew who they were and look at them now. And if that, you understand, When they see that God blesses you that much, why wouldn't they serve a God that loves you the way He loves you and blesses you the way He loves you and heals you the way He's healed you? They need to see you blessed. I really am done. Someone said, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Let me read this to you as we close. The North American church... Or like Saul, they want the presence of God and the blessing of the Lord, but not the government and rule of God. They really don't want the ark back. In his presence is fullness of joy, and his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me say there's a difference between the government of God and the presence of God. Uzzah touched the government of God and die. Don't ever touch the government of God. If I can put a label warning on this, I would right now, because for your protection, thank you. For your protection, here's why. I've been pastoring for 28 years. I was doing apostolic things before I knew what apostle even meant. And I've had people come and go. I know how honor works. I've preached this all over the world. Not this message, but preached about honor all over. That's kind of like what I'm kind of known for. I would say kind of the theme of my heart of my ministry, though I preach a lot of things is the culture of honor. I got notebooks on messages on honor. And I've seen what dishonor has done to some people. My heart breaks. I've had men and women that have touched the government of God. Touch not God's anointing, neither do his prophets any harm. That's bye bye. No other way I can say it. I've, I've watched them that they served in our house. They were deacons and elders. And now they're not serving God. Many of them are divorced. Some of them literally have died. And, and, and saying you're scaring me. I hope so. We should have the reverential fear of God, not only for God, but those that God has put in his stead as his government in our lives. Don't ever touch God's government, as it did, and he was smitten. See, the presence of God will bless you. Please get this. The presence of God will bless you, and his presence is full of joy. The presence of God, and, and, and if he wants to change this, he can do it. It will bless you, but won't change you. How many of you have had people come into your church and they get in the presence of God, they get healed, they get delivered? I get, I get one lady, I kid you not, she comes once a year because she gets crippled after that year. She comes in every year, I kid you not, for six years it's happened. She's come in, she comes in crippled over, full of arthritis, and she comes in and gets healed in God's presence. She's touched by the presence of God. She leaves completely pain free. She's that way for six months. We never see her again, and then she comes back again. It did not change her it blessed her the presence of God will bless you the government of God will change you That's why when Oba he welcomed not only the presence of God But the government of God and when he did his life changed Listen to me the presence of God will not sustain things generationally unless you couple it with the government of God do you realize Three generations after obed edom the Bible says that his children were serving God in the temple as porters. Now that's powerful. God is raising up and is restoring government. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the hand of God in our midst. And if we will submit and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, in due time he will exalt us. The presence doesn't exalt you, it blesses you. The government of God will raise you up and bless you. And God has brought his government here. You have his presence and his government. This house, I love the order here. I love the flow. I love the government. It's God. This is God. This is heaven on earth. I mean, when I come in here, I had a very challenging week. And I come in here and got in God's presence and was all swept away. Because God is here. And his government is here. I want you to listen to the results of this. I really am closing it. You can't touch the government of God and get away with it. Obadiah had the presence and government of God in his house. God not only blessed his house, but gave him a sustainable blessing for generations. His children and children's children serve God. Three generations later, under Solomon's reign, they're still serving God. Listen to what happened. Obadiah had eight sons. They all become temple porters in the house of God. They were gatekeepers. Obadiah and his sons were the best suited to open up the temple gates. They opened up gates for people to come into the kingdom Hello, somebody Hallelujah See when you when you celebrate and honor the presence of God and the government of God He will bring a sustainable glory that will influence your children and children's children the reason why we've had revivals and those revivals have died And why we've not seen any sustaining presence for the next generation is we've not coupled it with God's government in order and as a result of it we had anarchy in churches but God says now I'm restoring my hand back hallelujah I'm restoring my government back to the church so we can change generations we're gonna leave the world a better world come on somebody hallelujah our children will not have to face some of the Giants we face they're not going to have to go through some of the battles. I don't want my sons to revisit the places I've been. I don't want them to recycle around a, a, a wilderness. I want them to enjoy, like Solomon enjoyed, all that his father had laid up for him. Listen to this, o, Obedidim was a doorkeeper of the house. He was promoted. Listen what honor will do to you. He was promoted over 68 associate leaders. You know, this guy, he was from Edom. He wasn't even a Jew. Come on, somebody. He wasn't of the Hebrew faith. Hallelujah. Let's have a way of grafting you into things that you didn't even know you were chosen or born for. Obed last mentioned, the last mention of him is he was a keeper of the temple treasury. Please get this david trusted him with gold that was estimated worth 2.5 billion dollars he gave him stewardship over all his wealth you cannot come under god's government and not be changed that's why you're ch- that's why you had to come and when you found them online you came here you had to be here because this is the only place you can get your change the presence of god is not good enough Though we love the presence of God, it must be coupled with God's government. Look at Gideon. The Bible says, Gideon, God says, I want you to go down to the waters of sifting, the waters of separation. Take all those men down there. He said, but first of all, before you get there, anybody who's fearful, send them home. Gideon should have went home. (laughs) 20,000 left. Many are called, but few really choose to go all the way into what God has. See, people that are afraid of commitment and afraid of covenant and afraid of God's government, maybe it's not for you. But 10,000 went down the waters of separation. He said, now here's what you do. Now 10,000, God, you just got rid of 20,000. 10,000, okay, now I, I need this army to beat the Midianites. <laughs> won't take him. No, no, here's what you do. Everyone who gets down And they get on their face and they drink like this they're disqualified He said but everyone who gets on their knee Takes their hand and dips it into the waters and drinks like a dog He said those you'll choose Only three hundred drank out of the hand. Yeah. The water speaks of his presence. See, people want the presence of God, and they're self-absorbent. They just go after it, but they leave unchanged and disqualify from what God wants to do. But those who are willing to get on their knee and not mar the image of who they are by putting their face in the water, but as they drink like a dog, they look out in honor for their brothers and sisters to make sure none of the nights will come behind them. And when you drink the presence of God out of the government of God, you will qualify to be part of a delivering company of the sons of God that's about to change the world. And I think right now we have a people here, right in Fort Erie, that have been drinking from the hands of God's government and you're about to change your world. Do you believe you can change your world? Let's stand to our feet, please. Some of the most unlikely people to be part of this next move are in this room right now. The Gideons of this day. Not about you, but God. I know we say God called me. He cornered me. (laughs) I wasn't looking for God. I didn't go to church looking for him. September the 9th, 1988, I was in a nightclub in downtown Pittsburgh, a Sunday night at 11 o'clock, with a beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other. The presence of God come in, and I heard a voice that I hadn't heard for 15 years. And he said, Mark. He goes, it's time you come home. That was it. I put out my cigarette. The power of God came on me. I put my beer down. I walked out. I told my friends I'll be in the car. They says, we just got here. I said, I'll be in the car. I sat up there weeping and crying for four hours until they come out. I went home and God transformed my life. All because I heard the voice that called me before the foundation of the world when I was chosen in Him. Did you ever wonder why? How did you know? Yeah. When you say God called me, how'd you know it was God? How do you know it wasn't a devil? How do you know it wasn't you? How did you know that voice? You know why? Because you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And before God ever framed the world, you were in him. And in the middle of nowhere, there was a meeting. Three people were there, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost took the minutes. And when the father spoke, he not only spoke to the father's son, but he spoke to you who was in the son, and you heard that voice. That's why when you come out of mama's belly, and when God called you and you heard his voice, you remembered. See, because what happened to Adam when he fell, he landed on his head and got amnesia, forgot who he was. And we were all in Adam. We had fallen and forgotten who we were. And the Lord had to remember. Us. I wonder if that's what communion's about. He says, when you do this, do this in remembrance. It's a lot more than remembering the cross and it is, but it's remembering that at the cross you were there too. He didn't just die for you, he died as you because you were in him at the cross. You're pretty special. You are chosen for greatness. No one can do it like you, no one can say it like you. You're gonna go where no one's gone, you'll say what's never been said, you'll do what's never been done. No other generation has done this before, no generation. No one, we're anointed to finish. Other other generations, our forefathers, they can't even help us get there. Because we are, listen to me, we are writing the end. No one's come this way. And the words of Joshua, we've never come this way before. In fact, you can't even use a map. A map means someone's been there. We have to use the compass of the Holy Ghost Amen. to help us navigate. That's why we make all the mistakes along the way. Please give them room for mistakes because they're going where no one's gone before. Amen. They're going to make mistakes. Be gracious. Where? There you are. This baby that's coming, March the 7th, <laughs> is going to be so such a prophetic, such a prophetic sign to this church that God is going to birth a new dimension of the kingdom in this house that will be explosive. This man has never talked to me or his wife, the first lady, has ever talked to me about big and massive and mega. You know what they talk about? Raising sons and imparting. And God has given you an apostle and a prophet. <clears throat> see, what an apostle will do, they will impart the word in you. They will speak a prophetic word in you. And what the apostle will do is they will put the life of God in you. You got the best of both. Come on, someone give it up. So the prophetic word and the, and the apostolic life of God is being formed in you. And see, the greatest heart of an apostle The cry is, is they want to form Christ in you. Form the anointing, the Christos, the anointing, the Son of God in you. That's what's happening here. That's why there's so much honor in this house. But this child is going to be a sign, I'm telling you, mark it down. I couldn't sleep over this thing. I went to bed last night at 3 a.m. Y'all kept me awake. (laughs) That's why I bring people to drive me home so I can sleep on my way home to Newcastle today. This is going to be, uh, and you know, we, we can go and get prophetic words now for individuals, but I don't think so. This is this is the prophetic word for the house. You're at a place called in between. You're a people, a remnant that is standing in the gap. There's very few people like you. I promise you, I've been out there. I've had the I've had the privilege of being a part in overseeing large networks, small networks, working with pastors and apostles, fivefold years around the world. This is my favorite place to come. And, and I was glad I was invited back. I've not always been invited back at every church I preached at. <laughs> so I felt kind of good. I got an invitation to come back. <laughs> but I love this house because first of all, I love this man and woman of God. I love the family, but I love the church family. You are amazing. Would you do me a favor? Would you, would you make a promise to me that corporately that you would honor this couple and esteem them?